This is Radio Sustain, a bi-weekly journal of fair trade, resilient rural communities, safe food, and a healthy environment. Brought to you by IATP, the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. This edition of Radio Sustain is for Monday, July 17, 2006. I'm Matthew Foster at IATP in Minneapolis. And I'm Kate Hoff. Today on Radio Sustain, Tyson Acker talks to Don Arnosti, director of IATP's forestry program, about the Aldo Leopold Legacy Center in Baraboo, Wisconsin, and how IATP is helping the center sustainably harvest trees planted over 50 years ago by Aldo Leopold himself. Ben Littleston talks about farm subsidies with IATP's Dennis Olson, as Congress prepares to debate the next farm bill later this year. But first, Kathleen Schuler, co-author of a report that measures the economic impact of pollution on the state of Minnesota, joins Ben Lilliston. Over the last five years, a large amount of new scientific research has documented the connection between environmental pollutants and certain childhood diseases. While the relationship between pollution and disease has become more solidly established, governments have been slow to respond. A new study by the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy and the Minnesota Center for Environmental Advocacy puts an exact dollar amount on the cost of childhood diseases attributed to pollution for the state of Minnesota. We sat down with Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy staff scientist Kathleen Schuler to find out more. Kathleen, what childhood diseases did you look at and what costs did you find? Well, the diseases that we looked at were asthma, and we found the costs were almost $31 million per year. We looked at childhood cancer, and we found that the costs were $8.2 million per year. Lead poisoning, which is significant, we found at over $1.2 billion each year. Birth defects, the costs were $4.5 million and neurodevelopmental disorders, including autism, mental retardation, and cerebral palsy, at $303 million per year. What do you think the response should be from legislators to these new numbers? Well, this study shows that pollution is getting into our children, and it's affecting their health, and that it's costing Minnesota a significant amount of money each year, $1.5 billion. And we ask legislators to respond by looking at some of the problematic chemicals, by regulating those that are the most problematic, by not allowing new problem chemicals onto the market, by um, implementing things like restricting mercury in products, by getting brominated flame retardants out of products, by better tracking some of these diseases so that we can determine if there are problems and how we can address those problems, and more resources for things like lead abatement, especially for low-income families. Thanks, Kathleen. This is Ben Lilliston for Radio Sustain. Kathleen Schuler is a staff scientist with the Food and Health Program at the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. Find her report at iatp.org. The Aldo Leopold Legacy Center is an educational facility being built on the farm outside Baraboo, Wisconsin, which Aldo Leopold made famous in his book, A Sand County Almanac. 
A project of the Aldo Leopold Foundation, the Legacy Center will be constructed from trees which were planted by the Leopold family during the Depression era as part of their attempts to restore the damaged land around their summer cottage. IATP's forestry program is working with the Foundation to ensure that their land management practices meet Forest Stewardship Council standards. To get more of the story, we talked with IATP Forestry Program Director Don Arnosti. You know, what often happens in uh, commercial forestry is loggers and industry people go into the woods looking for money. They're looking for the highest value, best quality material that is most readily made into the largest amount of money. And, and that's called high grading. That's taking the best out of the forest and leaving the worst in there for the future. So the, um, the Leopold Center, um, the reverse was applied and that is consistent with FSC principles. It's about investing in the future and improving the quality of the forest over the long haul. And instead what was selected were uh, suppressed trees, diseased trees, smaller diameter trees, crowded trees, twisted trees. Um, uh, trees that just didn't have the same kind of long-term future in, in mind. And those were taken out first, and then it was determined, okay, what can we do to utilize these to the highest and best value? Um, many of the uh, trees went in as solid lumber. Uh, some of them went in as sawed dimension lumber. Uh, which is two by fours, two by sixes, that sort of thing. So um, basically uh, a variety of species and the lower quality trees were the ones that were utilized this, actually leaving the best trees uh, to continue to grow and, and thrive for the next couple of hundred years. Don Arnosti is director of the forestry program at the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. More about sustainable forestry can be found at IATP's Community Forestry Resource Center at forestrycenter.org. When I was younger and you were mine to a memory of Next year, the U.S. Congress will likely vote on a new farm bill, which sets subsidy payments to farmers. Under the last farm bill, these subsidy payments rose up to $20 billion a year. These high payments have been severely criticized both in the U.S. and by other countries negotiating at the World Trade Organization. To find out more, we talk with the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy's Dennis Olson. Dennis, are U.S. farmers getting rich off of these subsidy payments? Uh, actually, no, and I think that's a big misconception out there. Uh, there's a study in 2003 by the University of Tennessee that said that, that calculated the numbers on that and um, over a uh, several year period of the 1996 farm bill, even though um, uh, farm subsidies nearly more than doubled, net farm income had actually fallen by 16%. The, the ones who are benefiting the most from this are actually the big multinational meatpacking companies who, uh, and who are vertically integrated and um, are able to then buy these cheap feed grains at below the cost of production. What are a few changes that you'd like to see in the next farm bill? Well, we would like to see um, some policies that 
start to stabilize the price of uh, feed grains in particular related to this issue. Um, so we would like to see a non-recourse loan uh, put back in place that would at least put a price floor on these commodities so that they can't fall dramatically and, and fluctuate dramatically from one year to the next. Um, we have to recommit to uh, enforce our antitrust laws and we need to uh, strengthen those laws and, and the resources available to the agencies to in, enforce those laws so that these smaller uh, independent farmers have a fighting chance against these big multinational corporations. Thanks, Dennis. This is Ben Lilliston reporting for Radio Sustain. latest developments on agricultural policy in the United States and around the world, visit IATP's Ag Observatory at agobservatory.org. Radio Sustain is a project of IATP, the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. Find us on the web at iatp.org. Radio Sustain is produced by Ben Lilliston. Our engineer is Tyson Acker. Today's music was Launching Pad by Arctic from their album Music for Rain, Tall Fiddler by Deo, and Daydream by Robin Stein from her album Daydream. Join us again on Monday, July 24, 2006, for the next edition of Radio Sustain, a bi-weekly journal of fair trade, resilient rural communities, safe food, and a healthy environment. I'm Kate Hoff. And I'm Matthew Foster. Thanks for listening. Thank you.